everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Good afternoon, Frank. We're live. How are you? How are you, Noah? Hi, everyone. Frank Forza here with Everyman BJJ with Noah Green. We are absent Jordan Worth, who was on social media with his arm missling. I think that universally that means I hurt my arm, but we don't have any, we don't have any confirmation of that. Um, we hope Jordan's okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're in the hurt biz. So yeah, usually an arm in, <laughs> arm in a sling and this hurt biz usually means that he's had problems. I think he's had problems with one of those shoulders before. So Jordan, we, uh, we hope you're, we hope you're doing okay. And, uh, come in, come crash the, the party, whatever you want. Noah, let's talk. Uh, I watched the UFC and I watched, you know, number of fights yesterday and I was really excited for that card. Um, UFC on ESPN plus, and we don't dominate our conversations with UFC, but I thought, I thought this one was, it was, the, it was one of those you watch and you want to talk about it afterwards, right? There was just so much to talk about. And you had the bad blood rivalry between uh, Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. You had Mackenzie Dern with a, a spectacular armbar. You had the, the Russian guy, uh, Kamzat, you know, Chamaev, or however you pronounce his name, who is just on, you know, in a matter of months, has got, he's the, the quickest to three wins. And he was serving notice to everybody. I'm not just a wrestler. Uh, he's got quick hands. He's got power. He's got accurate hands. And he's that was powerful. spectacular. That knockout yeah. was spectacular. Yeah. And wow. Then you even yeah. had, I mean, you know, yeah, you, you just had, you had some fights on that card. You had Cerrone and, and Nico price. That was, you know, with the eye pokes, that was, you don't see that all the time where there's two eye pokes and they dock you a point. I guess that's their new rule and they're enforcing it, um, vociferously where, they have a no nonsense thing now. It looks like with the eye pokes, um, but but I want to mainly talk about Kobe uh, Covington and Tyron Woodley because I actually Woodley had entered the fight, lost two two fights in a row, right? A former UFC champion, he's thirty seven, and but he only lost to Gilbert, you know, Gilbert Burns, and to the champion Usman. I mean, he has he, you know his two losses, but it's to like two of the top three guys, and so. He was a three-to-one underdog, betting underdog, leading up to this fight. Woodley was a former champion against Covington. I thought I saw that number, and I and I just thought of Tyron Woodley's power. And he was a two-time Division One All-American wrestler. And I looked at it and I thought I could totally see him pulling the upset against Covington. I could totally see it. Just boom, the power of Tyron Woodley. Woodley being motivated by all the smack talk and just just fired up and and going to prove a point. And man. I mean, and you know how bad Tyra Woodley wanted to shut up Kobe Covington, right? It had to be, and everything, every, and that usually means, I don't care what anybody says, when somebody talks like that, it does a lot of times make you dig a little deeper. It makes you bring a little more. It, it makes you train a little harder. It just does for most people, for most athletes. That means we saw the best Tyron Woodley last night. We saw the best he has to offer because you were not overlooking Colby Covington. You wanted to win this fight. This fight, I think I saw in one of the promos, he said, this fight's like bigger than, you know, than the, 
Then the UFC title fights. I got. I want to shut this guy up. And wow, I mean, and D- Dominic Cruz mentioned something on the broadcast last night with that was that was very poignant. He said Tyron Woodley was never the same from the moment he got taken down. I think it was the first round. Yeah, uh, I remember him saying that. Yeah, Woodley went and shot. I think Woodley threw the right hand, which is his power hand, and the moment he threw it. Covington had trained for that. Covington shoots in on a double and then switches, drives him in the opposite direction. Kind of a knee tap, as Dominic mentioned, but kind of a double leg this way, boom, switch directions real quick. Put Woodley on his back. Didn't keep him there. But I do agree with Dom. I think that was in the back of his mind. He never really wanted to let go of the right hand because Woodley knew. This is the one problem for – I mean, that, sorry, Covington knew. The one problem for – Tyrone Woodley is he's always been a bit one-dimensional. He's got a great right hand, but kind of like Johnny Hendricks a year ago, Johnny Hendricks was a great left hand, but he didn't have a lot to back it up. Now, Woodley does have some hard leg kicks. We saw that against Carlos Condit, who I love. We saw that against Carlos Condit a few years back when he just brutalized Condit's legs with the kicks. So Woodley's got some hard kicks sometimes. He throws a little bit of head kick now. He's got the wrestling that he doesn't use a lot. But he's really a right hand. If you're a, if you're a really diverse fighter like Usman, who's got a lot of tricks, a big treasure trove of skills, and Covington, we saw Covington's got a lot of different looks, a lot of different rhythms, a lot to keep you off balance. It's not beautiful technically, it's not ugly technically, but it's very effective combined with his motor, with his durability, with incredible cardio. And anyway, I was just so impressed. I mean, this is the thing at the end of the day, though, that I really want to say to people. No matter, we get wrapped up in likability entirely too much a lot of times in this world, in likability. There is a point at which you may not like someone, but you have to respect what that guy's about. you got to respect Colby Covington's body of work because he is putting the work in. He is a workhorse. He is serious about being the best. He is very skilled. And he beat a, a Tyron Woodley who was the, who's not too far gone from, from having been the world. I think it's only a year or something removed or a year and a half from being the world champ. So it's not like he beat Tyron Woodley who used to be the world champion five years ago. It wasn't that long ago Woodley was king of the division. And he went through Woodley. I mean, Usman didn't go through Woodley like that. And so... What the, the takeaway I had from it last night was you may not like Covington's antics and they seem contrived, whatever, but, man, this guy really does back it up, and his will to win is epic. It's a championship will to win. If you just peel away all the trash talk and all the sh- shenanigans and all the gimmickry, mm-hmm. wow, and then getting the call by the president whether or not you're, you like Trump or you don't, to see a UFC fighter as a guy like me who worked at the UFC when it was almost a flat line, when we weren't sure we were going to turn the corner. It wasn't obvious. It was an imperiled and endangered sport. A lot of people hated it. A lot of people thought it should be banned. And to see it go from that to a guy live on the air and a sitting president is calling him and saying, I just spoke to 35,000 people. And I was like kind of in a rush afterwards. And I'm like, I got to go watch Colby Covington fight. And it's like, 
that you know you're listening to the conversation on live broadcast i mean that to show you how far this sport has come whether you like trump whether you like covington just looking at it though it's like these are there was something surreal about you know watching and and that's really the only time we've ever seen like covington where he's been like kind of like happy even was when he was on the phone with trump he's otherwise just always always got a really bad chip on his shoulder he's not you know he's not the, doesn't come off very likable he's always very antagonistic he's this Kobe Covington is very much a guy you talk about you against the world or me against the world he's the poster boy something hurt Kobe Covington long ago a long time and his fight career looks like it's kind of a purge he's a guy who just has been hurt whether it was his family whether it was his upbringing whether it was you know, somebody he wanted to love him who didn't, he has got some demons in him. He's got a lot of anger and a lot of angst and a lot of hostility, a lot of a big, a humongous chip on his shoulder, but he is using that fuel to, 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 to look pretty amazing at times in that octagon in the cage. Yeah. That's great. Opening mon- yeah. No, great opening monologue there about uh, the UFC fight last night. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're getting really great fights in what is now, you know, six months, seven, eight months, however you want to start the counter in on, on a global tragedy. Um, you know, the, um, it, the, the quality of the fights last night uh, and, and the matchups, I, I can't wait for – I. I'm just, and there's a whole string coming up the next four weeks. I, I mean, it's, I, it's you're, you're, you're still in the, you're, yeah, you're, you're taking stealing words out of my mouth right there, Frank, uh, because I know that we've talked in the past about precision. You know, we talked about this concept of precision on the podcast, and here uh, during this week, uh, this past week, I was uh, flipping through uh, some stuff on YouTube. And um, I saw Food Truck Diaries with uh, Brendan Schaub, and he sat down with um, Israel Adesanya, um, and and I got to know a little bit more about you know how that how that fighter thinks, and you know he said all his demons, all his things that he did wrong, he did it before he went big, you know he did it, you know so it's all buried, unlike John Jones, and um, here we've got. Um, Paulo Costa uh, coming at him uh, like like a steaming freight train, and we'll see if we'll see if uh, we'll see if that precision holds up next weekend. It is next weekend, right? I mean, you know, I, I do you know so. if that's a pay per view? Do you know that's a pay per view? I hope not. I hope it's, it's two, just it's open. two championship fights. I know oh, that it's going to be a pay per view. Yeah, let me let me. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be pay per view. Man. Um, you know, that, that I, so just a, you know, as for, for benefit of, 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 of my knowledge, tell me how does, um, you know, if, if you look at the comments of, uh, the president, uh, of the USC saying that you have cowboy and you have, um, Woodley, uh, considering retirement, um, you know, how does that reflect upon the game itself at this point? 
where you know Dana's well, first of Dana's all, come out and I've said given, it's time for them to think about retirement. Thought, so if Woodley if Woodley were to retire, he's thirty seven years old. If Woodley were to retire, in my mind, and I got thirty some years of loving the fight game. Okay, mm -hmm. watching boxing when I was eight years old. So what I'm about to say should carry a lot of gravity. If he retires, it's not a this guy doesn't have it anymore physically. Tyrone Woodley still has the physical goods even at 37. He's still a thoroughbred. He's got a lot of fast switch fiber power. He's still fast. He's, you know, this, if he did retire, it would be he's lost the motivation. He doesn't want to, you know, be a gateway fighter for other people, like a fighter, you know, where he's, he's the number five or six and he's, he's, he's never going to be champion again. Maybe he thinks he's better off. He was in the broadcast booth at UFC. So if he's to retire, people out there listening, it's not, this is not a guy who's retiring because he physically doesn't have any more in the gas tank. If he wants to, he has more, he has more miles on that body. Tyron Woodley hasn't taken a lot of beatings. We've seen Donald Cerrone. I mean, if anybody who's watched Cerrone's fights, I were I was with the UFC and the WEC back when he was there. He's been around forever. I think he's got the most UFC wins ever. Donald Cerrone's been in some wars, and Donald Cerrone trains like he fights live. So he's, I mean, I can tell you, I feel very confident saying that that Donald Cerrone has had way more gym wars than and way more miles on his body in the gym as well than Tyron. He's had way more miles and 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 battering on his body and, and punches than in the live fights than, than Tyron has. Okay. So, so Donald Cerrone, it's its own category, nothing left to prove, never going to be UFC champion again, still entertaining. But at some point, all of those blows accumulate because he's taken a lot of them in training that we haven't even seen. And that's the way he trains. He trains like he fights. So Donald Cerrone, you know, my opinion there is, Hey man, you know, and Donald Cerrone not too long ago had lost four in a row. He lost four in a row, mm -hmm. so he yeah. kind of came back. So I mean, he he's he's tasted that four fight losing streak not too long ago. So if Donald Cerrone says good riddance, I think it's about the time. I think we all agree. A lot of mileage on the body. The brain can only take so much. I think he's fine now, but yeah, that that mentality of quit while you're ahead. He's got the whole cowboy, the bull riding image, the. You know the, the 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 you know the the, the fast cycles the whatever he's going to have plenty of sponsors right he fits I think he was even he was even uh, sponsored by a beer company whatever so Donald Cerrone is in a good spot probably probably a good time for him impressive impressive that he withstood that Nico Price first two minutes I mean oh yeah was, wow so he's Listering. Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone, for all he's put himself through, his chin is amazing. I mean, we saw like a guy like Chuck Liddell, who I love, but guys like that, at, you know, at, at around the same period with the mileage, they were showing it. You know, their chin was never the same. Donald Cerrone can still take a licking, but I say, yeah, man, like quit while you're ahead. You nothing left to prove. Not going to be champion again. He's got sponsorships lined up, so that's a different one. Woodley has the physical goods. Does he have the mental makeup? The mental motivation? to do it. He's always had sort of this mental hesitancy where he doesn't let go. He kind of reminds me of Rashad Evans, who was on the broadcast last night in that Rashad was the same fighter 10 years after I first saw him. Like he was the same fighter 10 years later, pretty much with a few new additions, right? And like Woodley with all of his athleticism, 
could have evolved a lot more. You know, he just he just had the goods to be a more evolved. Same with Johnny Hendricks. I could say this about a lot of fighters, by the way. I could say this about a lot of fighters. Even John Jones, who I love as a fighter, but even John Jones, when you look at how John Jones a lot of times got away from his wrestling, yes, he used it against Alexander Gustafsson in the, in the fight, but he got away from his wrestling a lot of stretches of his fight career. And John Jones on the ground should be way better than he is. I'm not saying he's got bionic elbows. He submitted black belts. But if you look at the totality of John Jones's career, I expected him to use it. He, he had plenty of fights where he could have used his wrestling even more. He had plenty of fights where he could have showed us that he's a jiu-jitsu wizard and his jiu-jitsu just kind of fell off the radar in a way and, and, and stretches of his career, right? And so I, all I'm saying with Tyron is this guy's a phenomenal athlete, but probably something. And, and I'm very – I've enjoyed watching him. But for whatever reasons only he knows, he has a gear that he's not able to tap into that's kept him from evolving as a fighter. You know, Colby Covington, like they say, these new the new breed of fighter, um, Noah, they're bringing a fast pace. They're all really good athletes, and they're bringing the kitchen sink. They're bringing a diversity of attacks from different angles, from spinning this and spinning that and cartwheel this. And, you know, guys like Johnny Walker, the unpredictability is off the charts for a lot of these guys. The problem for Woodley is, like, you know, Usman said last night on the broadcast, the, the, the blueprint has been established for how to beat him, and he's just he's a fairly one-dimensional, two-dimensional fighter. I mean, he doesn't have the toolbox. That's not a matter of, oh, he's too old. It's not a, oh, he's too old thing. I don't buy that. It's not that. It's it's something between the ears. Yeah, I want to liken, I want to liken, um, you know, that era, the epoch of, of the fighters where they're one-dimensional to – um, now you're going to laugh at me or, uh, you know, I think I told you before, I've been watching, I've watching survivor a lot and in survivor, the, um, so I'm, I'm in, ep, I'm in season 40 right now, 40, there have been over 590, I think 590 contestants on that, um, on that, on that show. And it's been around for 20 years. And they bifurcate the uh, the uh, uh, participants in what they call the old school and the new school. And I think that you know that one dimensionality that uh, that you're referring to that's that old school approach. You know, I'm going to rely on just this to get me through. Whereas the new school, you're seeing fighters say they grow they grow, they've grown up watching the UFC, and you know they were MMA from very young age. This is amazing. And uh, this is an example of that we have uh, going right now. UFC 253, 253, Yaz Island, next weekend is going to be pay-per-view. And um, um, uh, uh, what's his first name? Um, Reyes is is fighting for the vacated Dominic. Yeah, I want to make sure that was uh, Dominic Reyes is fighting. Um, for that, uh, yeah, for Blagojevich, I think it's a, may, I may not be saying that last name correctly. Um, um, you know, these are, uh, you know, Dominic it relies upon his uh, athleticism. Um, but uh, would you comment on on you know how you see that fight going? 
and then play that back well, to what you've seen? Well, I, I think that, that, you know, Dominic is hard to take down. And so, you know, and he's got very good boxing. He's very nimble. He's fast. He's got some good leg kicks. But Jen has a puncher, you know, the, the proverbial puncher chance. He's a powerful guy. He's got the power to turn the lights off. So you do. it's hard to always say, like, I haven't seen Jan as much. It's hard to say because sometimes, you know, we it's just like life. You can't if 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 what we saw on paper, right? If what we saw on paper always played out, we probably yeah. didn't even watch sports, right? Sports is unscripted drama. The beauty of sports is it's unscripted drama. We think we know, but we don't know. It it proves how wrong like kind of like a guy like you would like with Daniel Kahneman, you know, thinking fast and slow, the uh -huh. nature of human human error and human decision-making being so flawed, right? If if everything on paper, which we just thought, we assumed, was true, then Tom Brady wouldn't even probably be in the NFL, let alone the best That's football That's very of all true. Time. Yeah, he probably yeah. wouldn't even be in the NFL, right? Remember, I was thinking this the other day. I was like, Michael Jordan, the certifiable, undeniable best basketball player in history, wasn't even the first pick in his own draft. In the year he was drafted, he wasn't even the first pick. That means that if you go year by year, that means I think he was the third pick in that draft. That means in in the previous 15 years, there were, you know, there were, let's see, 30 people that were picked 30. So if you can take it over a 15-year period, it's like there were 30 people who were number one or two in a 15-year period around Jordan. There were 30 of them that were supposed to be better just then, not even in history. It's just people were wrong, right? One of the guys who drafted ahead of him, Sam Bowie, didn't even last. His NBA career totally fizzled, flopped. Guy taken before Jordan because human decision-making is so flawed, but that's the beauty of why we watch. I watched last night thinking it was not going to surprise me for Woodley to just shut this big mouth guy up. It was not going to surprise me to see him land a right, big right hand. Never happened. I mean – Kobe Covington had other plans. Kobe Covington backed up everything he said. So going into Jan and Dominic, I like Dominic. I think Dominic is – you can make an argument that Dominic in his own mind, Dominic Reyes, is unbeaten because a lot of people thought he won the fight with John Jones. So this guy really – no one's ever that we've seen in a live fight has ever kicked Dominic Reyes' butt. So he's got the confidence of someone who's unbeaten and who's a world champion. He just went with John Jones – who might be the best fighter of all time. And Reyes, by a lot of people's estimation, beat him. So Dominic Reyes is probably pretty darn confident now. So he's he's, well, you he's know got that. the best of both. Wait a minute. He's got the best of both worlds, Noah, because he just got, in, in Dominic's mind, he just got ripped off, right? So he's hungry, just like we saw the kid who fought, the, you know, the the the, uh, the big bushy-haired 135-pounder and burst that bubble, the Guam kid, or the, the uh, yeah. But, Are you talking about so Sean O'Malley? Yeah, Sean O'Malley. The guy okay. who upset him. So, yeah. so we're going to see Reyes even more on fire because he, he lost the last – when you lose that last fight, you lose the double pay. You lose a lot of things. You lost the title. I think we're going to see a way better version of Reyes. And also in Reyes' mind, he's thinking, I just beat the guy who might be the best of all time. So how yeah. confident are you? So that's a lot for Jan. I'm not saying he can't burst that bubble, but this is a between-the-ears sport. These are between-the-ears sport. There's a lot to be said for that. Reyes has that mindset. He didn't 
Go fight John Jones. A lot of times, we even saw this with GSP. The first time GSP fought Matt Hughes, he lost. Why did he lose? He got a little spooked. Then he dominated Matt Hughes the next two times. But he admitted, the first time I was a little bit starry-eyed. I was a little bit stargazy. Dominic Reyes didn't do that against John Jones. Dominic Reyes just said, I'm the champion. Well, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> I got to... Pop, I gotta at least throw something out there, and that's sure. they're not fighting in Houston this time, so you don't have to deal with the the judging regime of Texas, um, and all the also you know we're talking about Yaz Island, you know I, I'm wearing my uh, uh, Fight Island unknown location shirt again. I'm glad they're getting their money's worth out of um, out of what they put in as a as a CPA. I think about. You know, how, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, on the books, who's, you know, the UFC paid for all that construction or did, you know, Dubai uh, um, pay for that construction and UFC is renting it. So they're getting, you know, they're getting some um, rental payments off of it, but um, and licensing payments. But um, um, take it back to, you know, um, yeah, I agree with you. Outside factors there, um, you know, he's hungry. Um, and Jan is, um, you know, not as well known, you know, on that card. Um, and um, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, it's pay-per-view. Imagine this too, re- re- really quick, Noah. Yeah. John Jones was offered a rematch with Reyes. <gasps> He was I did not know that. He rather really? take the rematch, he vacated the title and elected to go fight at heavyweight. That tells you a lot. Wow. Wow. That tells yeah. you that this this could be the Dominic Reyes era. Wow. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see about that. Let me let's uh let's jump over to I mean there's so much to talk about fight-wise. Um you know, well, wait, wait, I mean, I got other, let's let's make sure we fit in Mackenzie Dern's armbar. I was going there. Stop, stop. I was going there. I was going there. Yeah, I was going there. I was like, no, I was going there. Um, as um, for me personally, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, you know, I've got my uh, pre-workout drink because uh, uh, I've got I'm you know going back to the gym, lifting weights now, and I'm doing that. Thank you. I'm so happy too. My body's sore. Um, my body's sore, and I'm slowly getting it moving again. Um. You know, yeah, um, I've got some bulging discs. You know, I had the MRI results, and I saw all that, so I'm working with the VA on my stuff. But um, So I'm taking it carefully, um, um, and I'm um, taking it carefully, but I'm, I'm at least getting moving again. You know, I'm getting my body moving again. And um, uh, oh, didn't Kenzie Dern have a baby in the last uh, year? I think that that's really impressive because, you we, you know, how many – how many UFC fighters? We know that none of the men, right? But how Obviously, many UFC right. fighters have given birth and then come back and and uh, and still? I mean, that, that you know, that's not easy. A lot, a lot of athletes Man, in any yeah. sport. In any sport, it's rare to see a world champion, world class athlete who's given birth and then comes back like nothing. But by the way, that was so foolish. For Marcos, right, a random Marcos, her opponent, right, Mackenzie, to because remember Mackenzie kind of threw a kick and kind of, kind of fell, fell, yeah, she fell, and then Marcos 
decides to follow her to the ground. And that's just like alarm bells, right? Like there's no yes. way, there's no way I'm going to give uh, random Marcos the coaches the, ben- the benefit of the doubt. There's no way that was the game plan. Like, hey, we're going to put her on the ground and we're going to go beat her up <laughs> one time. That's a good idea. Yeah, I, I, never, I, never. If, if that was, then you got then, then Randa. If you're watching, if you're one of the 15 people who watches us presently, uh, I would fire your coaches if they're telling you to, to follow her into a hornet's nest. If they're telling you go run at the hornet's nest, run at the yellow jackets beehive, uh, that's a bad idea. Like that was, and and you know the thing was the whole, not just that armbar, but the whole sequence of her going for the armbar. Remember, Marcos, this was, I, I've never seen this. And this is what's beautiful to me as a black belt. I'm watching, I'm thinking, number one, I've never hit an armbar like that ever in training against white belts, right? Let alone a live US. She worked it. Opponent. Yeah, an opponent who has 20. Beautifully. Points. I've never hit an armbar in the vicinity of that beautiful or that breathtaking mm-hmm. at any point in my career, including, again, me as a black belt training with white belts okay so i so who's next that who's and next then, for mckenzie so yeah, so think about this though remember this originally it started out as a triangle attempt and in mm-hmm. that triangle attempt marcos tried to rampage jackson tried to slam her way out of it remember that mm. and, yeah 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 and when she did that a lot of people will abandon the triangle they'll just let go you know if they're smart but but um dern went were so heavy on her head that she couldn't posture up like that she prevented the slam. So not only she that she wisely and very advanced technique prevented the slam, which was amazing. That was one of those things a lot of people don't notice. Like, damn, she could have gotten slammed right there hard. You know, we see people get knocked out being slammed. So she prevented the slam with going really heavy on the head, which was something a, a teaching teachable moment for me. Then when Marcos Marcos did a good job to keep her her poise and posture up, but. Uh, you know, um, Mackenzie did such a great job of keeping the pressure, keeping a tight pinch and a tight squeeze there, working on that arm, and then eventually finding the right time to transition to that Uma Plata and then get time get top position. And and then on the angles <clears throat> on the armbar, right? Because the thing you want to watch for is, you know, you need that thumb, right? If that thumb keeps turning, you're in trouble, right? So So she was so vigilant, and even with going over, right, even with the clamp, Right. Yeah, and that was clamp was great. It, it, I saw that. Yeah, and, and from the and from the half guard, okay, just really high level and high level where she made it look easy because you could tell like every once in a while you just get lucky. You could tell that like she has worked out her and her dad and you know her 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 dad is um you know Megaton. They've worked out. They've worked. They've they've worked out the calculus of those sequences. They understand the theories and the concepts of the arm and the thumb and the you know they understand that and the hip rise even from a half guard position. She never. She looked like. I mean, she's sitting there even with the break. You know, punching pretty good punches to Marcos's body to loosen her up to say let my leg go. It was just. It was one of those things where even as a black belt, I'll probably rewind it twenty five times and there's mm. probably more details in there than I'm even articulating now. It, it was really, it was really well done. Yeah, it was, no, it was phenomenal. I, I enjoyed that one. Now there was another Brazilian. Um, I'm trying to look up her name. Um, um, by the way, Jordan, Jordan met, just messaged that He's just not able to, to uh, 
join us today. Um, but that was another um, Brazilian that was fighting. Um, give me a second. I'll pull up her name. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw that fight as well, um, but she was fighting an Italian um, woman. And the Italian woman. They, they, um, they, they've been having the Italians lately. The Italians have yeah. been. Uh, this this is the thing that I think. This is my own supposition as someone who used to work for the UFC. Uh huh. Because the UFC is putting on, like they're just coming. I mean, every week they're not all barn burners, but but it's like these. This is good matchmaking and they're, solid. You know, I'm telling you, the fighters are coming to fight, and you know the UFC is not making the same money it was making, right? So they're. They're giving us really good fights, and they're not, you know, they're not getting the gate. They're not, they're not making as much money right now. But what, well, the way that I'm looking at this, and I could be wrong. The way I'm looking at it, if I put myself in the place of, of those, you know, of the the corporate people, the the, the money people, the Dana White's, it's this. This is the way out. This is me. I would be thinking, you know what? In a way. We are the perfect sport to capitalize on this because think about this, Noah. How perfect is this for UFC? The UFC has been doing no fan fights for ever since the Ultimate Fighter. They've been doing the hey, there's only Dana White and the matchmakers and a hundred people at the venue and the doctors and and pin drop quiet athletic events longer than anybody. They're the most. They practice the most under these conditions of any sports league. They have a they have like a 15 year head start on no fans in the stadium, sporting events, the UFC's had 15 years to refine that. And then furthermore, furthermore, the UFC, since they were the first to cross the barrier, they were the first major sport here in North America, at least to say, we're going to hold events. Even when other people were like, you know, when everybody was like, no, shut everything down. Everybody should be in a mask. The UFC was like, Dana White was like, no, we're going to do it. And what's interesting. So they were the first, they were, they were the trailblazers. And what's interesting is it almost seems to me that the mindset is, listen, we have a chance to close the gap with some of these other sports. We have a chance mm-hmm. to have the stage a little more to ourselves. Let's not take the foot off the pedal. Let's keep giving these great fights so that we can penetrate new market, new fans, even in North America. We've never had it where the stage was more for us than now because people are upset about different things with other leagues and this and that. Some of the other leagues are playing catch-up. We saw college football is playing catch-up with should we play, should we not. So yeah. while everyone else is doing that, while there's less sporting content in the sports world, ESPN has less to cover. The UFC is thinking, listen, we're one of the few sports that's really consistently. NBA is playing now, NFL, NHL. But if you look at what's happened to college, there's way less content. There's way less events. The UFC and around the world is the same thing. So the UFC, it seems to me, is saying, hey, we have more of the stage. We're getting more exposure than we've ever had. Let's not take our foot off the pedals. Let's just keep having events. Let's give them good fights. Let's try to win new fans. That seems to me to be the strategy. I don't know if it's working with them, but it's working with me because I'm like, wow, give me a reason to, to watch. Yeah, I'm so proud of the UFC and and, and their um, leadership, uh, leadership during the – the pandemic. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention the names of the of, of the um, four, of four fighters uh, that were on the undercard or the prelims. Um, the the Brazilian uh, fight that I was mentioning, um, uh, Myra Bueno Silva out of uh, Sao Paulo. She fought um, Mara Romero Borello, um, the Italian, 
And, um, you know, I, I was watching them and, and as they went into the cage and, and they prepared, you know, Meyer was just staring, you know, not no action. And then boom, it's like, it started off. And, um, um, that, that was a great fight. Um, but I also wanted to mention the officiating in Jessica Rose Clark versus Sarah Alpar. I don't, I don't know. If, did you get to see that fight? It was an Australian versus, um, yeah, it was an Australian versus, um, um, a Texan, um, uh, out of uh, Dallas or Fort Worth. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I've been wanting to ask you and Jordan, uh, I hear this phrase, something called a sit down punch. Have you ever heard of that? I mean, are you familiar with that phrase? I assume, you know, someone says it, it, that's a sit down punch. Oh, you mean, you mean as in sitting down on your punches? Yeah. What does that mean versus if well, if a fire if, if a fighter sits down after they get if punched? I'm, if I'm understanding it correctly, and I think I am, you know, sitting down on your punches is when you is you know if you're always dancing around like we saw the guy last night. What was his name? Holland, the guy who's pretty entertaining. The, the you know when the guy who fought the guy fought uh, the, the kung fu, kung fu, yeah. kung fu so Holland versus a lot of uh, he even threw the he even threw kind of the hammer fisted. You know, yeah. punch, yeah. and, and you know, and, and he's 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 a fun guy to watch, but he doesn't sit down on his punches as much, right? So he's more of a floating. Um, even Muhammad Ali, the great Ali, a lot of them, you know, they're more. Yeah. When, when you say that, you mean are their arm punches? A lot of people throw arm punches. Dominic Cruz, who I like a lot, a lot of Dominic, not always, because when Dominic knocked out, I think it was t- t- Mizugaki when he knocked Mizugaki out. It seemed like he stood on his punches. He sat on his punches a little more. He was a little heavier. He really dug in, right? Like quick, almost like Connor says, you're stuck in the mood. You're stuck in the mood because you're sitting down on your punches. You're a little stiffer. You're putting your all your weight on the ground and you're 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 generating all that power from your foot to your hip to your to your torso to your shoulder, boom, and you know, all the power is coming out the end. But when you're a lot of a lot of times, I'm generalizing, but a lot of times when guys are dancing around and they're moving and they're mobile. They're not they're not sitting on their punches, they're floating, and so those are more arm punches. It doesn't mean that an arm punch can't knock you out because there's an old saying, the punch you don't see is the punch that'll knock you out. So if I throw a hook that's not that that's not that hard, but it lands very precise, as you're talking about with Israel Adesanya, very precise with a lot of precision, and you didn't see it because you were worried about my left and or you're worried about the jab, and then I threw a hook. Well, if you just didn't see it and it whips your jaw and it's precise, that can knock you out. But generally speaking, there aren't that many wizards like that. There aren't that many people that are masters of the trickeration like Israel Adesanya or Anderson Silva. There aren't a lot of those that are just tricking everybody. They're diabolical. Most guys are just, you know, they're, they're tough guys. They're athletes. They got solid technique and they're throwing with heat and they're sitting down on their punches. So that, you know, that that's someone a lot of guys sitting down on their punches um, and then you've got the guys that like to dance around more who are sort of arm punches. And a lot of times the arm puncher is not going to be, um, you know, even, even, even a guy like Colby, Colby's not a big, you know, this is one of the things that really amazed me about, um, Colby too, is I think when you look at Colby Covington's physique, because we still like to look at guys physique, right? We like to see people in this sport. You know, like take a guy like Paulo Costa. I mean, when you look at Paulo Costa, you're like, my goodness, right? There couldn't be a more diametrical oppos- opposite than Israel Adesanya, long, lanky, yeah. 
and then Acosta, they're like just very different, you know, the body types. But you take a look at like like Colby Covington. If you didn't know any, if you didn't know that he was seventeen and two, and he came within sixty seconds of probably being a UFC champion or something, you know, with, with his first fight with uh, with Usman, you would not look at that guy's body five years ago and be like future. You just would not. You would not look at that body. You, you wouldn't even look at Conor McGregor's body and say mm-hmm. he would do what he done. It's just amazing to see. Like the Jorge Masvidal's of the world, the Israel Adesanya's, the Colby Covington's. Um, it's amazing to see some of these guys, and they're even even Cosmot. I mean, or even even Khabib. You wouldn't just look at Khabib's body. I mean, we've seen way more guys that are way more impressive with their body type and body musculature than Khabib. We know he wrestled bears. We know how strong he is. Whatever. Now we know. But we only know because he's done it in the octagon and opponents and training partners tell us. But if you just looked at him, you wouldn't it, it wouldn't be obvious to you like, oh, my goodness, this guy gets you down. You're not getting up. Right. Um, it's not obvious. Colby Covington's not obvious. It's just not. You look at his body. It's like his no, not even a lot of muscular. Jorge Masvidal. It's just amazing to watch the human spirit and the mental toughness and the deceptiveness even of Israel, even Israel Adesanya, the deceptiveness of some of these guys is amazing to watch because if you don't know fighting and you're there and you watch these guys roll up, you're thinking, this guy's the champ, this guy's the best, this guy just beat this guy, it'll, it'll blow your mind. Like on a Daniel Kahneman level of thinking fast and slow and human judgment and, and human predictive ability, it will blow your mind. And that's one of the things that that I think about with fighting is like, Wow, it's just you, 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 you can't. It's hard to judge the human spirit. We oftentimes underestimate so many people in our everyday lives what people are capable of the skill, the ability, the fighting spirit in them. And we walk by people and we have no idea what's really inside them. The cage shows us what's inside some of them, right? And yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that philosophical subplot when I watch fights. I love like. Wow, this this person's an outlier. This person get just gets underestimated because of X, Y, and Z, and they keep proving people wrong. And I wish that real life Noah was a meritocracy and did the same things. I wish that real life, because that cage, even though there's bad decisions, that cage at the end of the day is more of a meritocracy than 99.9% of our American life most run. Even with the judges screwing people over and bad decisions it's more of a meritocracy and that is part of the beauty of jiu-jitsu of wrestling of judo of boxing of mma there are bad decisions and they outrageous but guess what at the end of the day it's more meritocratic because the whole world can believe that you're going to get crushed colby covington or whoever the whole world could be but guess what they only let the referee and two other people in there they only let three in there and then all the assumptions that are out there you get a chance to prove the world wrong in the real world you send your your job your resume into linkedin or whatever and you don't have the best college you don't whatever you don't get a callback you don't get a chance to prove anybody meritocratic or it's really hard you know Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of fighting it's like you're underestimated 
your people think they know everything about you or even a football game and you get a chance to go out there and say hey you all underestimated you you didn't see it in me but it's in me and i just proved it i wish that regular world was set up with that kind of meritocracy that's a beautiful thing yeah i won't i won't disagree with you that with that um, I want to uh, highlight another fighter uh, and, and in the same vein that you're referring to here, and that's Michel Pejeda. Um, he, in his fight with, well, against Zelim Imad, Imadev, again, another difficult pronounce word, a name for me. It's just because I haven't studied Eastern European uh, or Russian languages. I, that's just not my thing. But um I, I don't know if you were able to see that fight. It was a couple of weeks back uh, under the um, Overeem card. Um, and Michel Pejeda, he uses a lot of capoeira in his, in his, in his movements. He's in out, you know, and, and he just, he was picking apart his opponent um, and with a jab and, and getting in there. Um, tell me now a jab you know, I respect the jab so much more um, after this past six months watching how the jab, just is, watching. The, the jab is the best weapon in fighting, Noah. It is the best weapon in fighting. It's just not used properly. It is hands down. Tell if me. Build, yes. If I in our 10 minutes fighter, left. Yeah, I could build a fighter from scratch. OK, mm-hmm. MMA fighter or boxing fighter. If I could build them <clears> from <throat> scratch day mm-hmm. one and you yeah. said, Okay, the genie shows up, the genie in a bottle. Okay, we're going to draft the best fighter for you, Frank, best boxer, best MMA fighter. What do you want? What's the one skill you get first? Well, of course, I would want mental toughness and all that stuff, okay? But physical skill, technical skill, okay, not the mental stuff. Give me the jab. I'll say jab number one. Not even wrestling. How do you feel about a jab plus a low kick? The low kick. Nope, nope. The first thing I'd go with to build a fighter from the bottom up would be the jab. Yeah. The second thing I'd go with would be a sprawl. So you can't you can't have the boxing. So I would go sprawl, jab. I mean jab, sprawl. Those are my first uh-huh. two skills. Other than mental, other than the intangibles, I would start with that. You give me a fighter. This is the thing about the jab. When you're establishing, same in boxing. When you're establishing the jab, and if if your opponent can't stop the jab, they can't stop the two. They can't stop the head kick. When you can't stop a crisp jab, you ain't stopping nothing else. Because you know, so now I got your attention. Boom, boom. The jab, the jab thrown properly is a lower risk punch. If you hang it and it's lazy, you'll get you'll get countered hard and get knocked out. But if you're throwing the jab properly, boom, and, and you're good with the timing of it, um, it's a low risk, it's a relatively low risk punch. Okay, when you throw your power hand, there's risk there because it takes time to come, it, it takes time. You're vulnerable. You're more vulnerable when you throw the kitchen sink and you set it on your punches. Yes, you're going to punch harder, but you're risking that your opponent punches back too, and you're coming forward, so it's easier to get knocked out. The jab, you don't have to come forward as much. Boom, you just throw it. You don't have to come forward and bring your chin and lead with your chin, and then that you're you're making you're increasing the likelihood you get knocked out, you get hit something anytime your chin starts to, even when you're punching, anytime you start doing that. So the jab is when done right is a safer punch. It's it's a punch that 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 disorients your opponent when the jab is landing. If you're landing the jab, Noah. See, this is the thing. Like, let's take last night for for instance with Kobe Covington and Woodley. 
I will bet you anything that the main thing Colby Covington went in that fight was saying, listen, I'm not letting him land the right hand. I know his big thing is the right hand. If anything beats me, a head kick or whatever, a body punch, I'll let that land. I'm going to always have my eyes on your right hand. You're not going to be able to trick me with a decoy, with a left hand, with a kick, whatever. I am all about your right hand, right? So, and as it happens, Woodley didn't have any adaptation to that. So Covington had time to take downs off the right hand. So normally when you're fighting another person, you're looking at their power hand, right? You're fighting an opponent. Normally if they're dangerous, you're worried about their power hand. Well, the jab's not the power hand per se, right? It's not, it's not the back leg. Most of your power is off your back leg. The jab is the front. But this is the thing. If I'm landing the jab, I'm going to land the power hand. Because you can't. Now, if Woodley had a jab, then Covington couldn't. If he had a good jab, Covington couldn't sit there and worry mainly about the right hand. He couldn't. He had the luxury of it because Woodley doesn't have a left hand. So he can just sit there and say, I'm not letting your right hand beat me. If you have a jab, guess what, Noah? They can't sit on the right hand now because if they sit, if they worry about the right hand, the left hand would, would death by a thousand cuts. Boom, boom, Muhammad Ali. Boom, it is. Boom. It is just pop, it might pop, not pop, be pop, a, pop, it might pop. not be a one punch knockout, but it would be, it would, it would dominate the fight because yeah. once that's landing, once that, once that jab is landing, now the right hand will land. And then guess what? If you want to throw a head kick in the head kick lands. So everything looks more beautiful. It's just everything looks more beautiful when the jab is there. If they can't stop the jab, they're not going to stop the body kick. They're not stopping the head kick. They're not yeah. stopping the, the power hand. They're not going to stop the hook because they have it's all they can do to stop the jab and they can't do it. And they're not doing it. Kind of like one other analogy in NFL with running the football. You know, if a team is running a football down your throat then they're going to be able to pass the ball with a, with a, with a halfway decent quarterback because the, the defense is going to have to stack the box and put eight people in the box to stop the run. You know, normally okay. there's six, six or seven defenders to stop the run. But if you're running the ball down your throat, they have to bring eight or nine up to stop the run. Now there's only two back to stop the pass. So you're going to get great looks. When the jab is landing, you're going to have great looks to land your hook, to land your uppercuts, to land your power hand. When the jab's not landing, they're gonna sit and look at. Okay, you got a power hand and a head kick. I'm gonna. I, I'm already aware of both. Okay, what else you got? It's easier to stop. But when okay. the jab is there, it's a safe punch. So anyway, I'm glad you brought this I, up because yeah, yeah, because I got a name I want to throw out there to you as well. Yeah. Uh, Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje. Yeah. You know, we haven't heard from him lately because you know, uh, you know his. I, I, I'm just recalling back from his fight. Who who did he fight? It was a big fight. And how about that jab? Just eviscerate. It was Ferguson. The, yeah. What wasn't that? The, you know, yeah. Wasn't that? Um, uh, wasn't that what um, uh, Tony Ferguson could not stop? Was that jab? I have to go back and look again at the jabs in in the key that with fight. The jab is you have you have to throw a jab with crispness. No, a lot of people throw lazy jabs and they uh -huh. throw jabs. You have to throw a jab with conviction. It doesn't have to knock anybody out. It has to get their respect and their attention. Most people throw lazy jabs. There's not a lot of sizzle on it. The key with the jab is you need some sizzle. It doesn't need to be a knockout thing. You can control a fight without knocking the guy out with it. It's a setup punch a lot of times. The jab is a setup punch. 
And if okay. that punch is landing, it sets everything else up. It's a leap. What are you aiming for when you do a jab? What are you aiming for? I mean, you're always usually, usually you're land, you know, you're aiming this sort of that, that little triage, you know, that the, the nose and the, and there, you know, you're here, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So I have to ask area. dumb questions. I've never been into pugilistics, uh, you know, like boxing. I've never been into but striking. Let me say this though, Noah, mm-hmm. the jab, I want to caution everybody out there who might train self-defense just because I've said that the jab is to me, ideally, and it's ideal, yeah. the best weapon combined with the great sprawl would be phenomenal. Does not mean that everybody out there should go. Some people don't have the body type and it would just take them too long. They just don't have it, which is why even in UFC, we saw people like BJ Penn and, and GSP and, and even Ga- Gaethje. And we've seen some to have, but but very few actually have really good jabs in, in, in MMA. Very few, right? I mean, um, and even in boxing, very few really dominate a fight. Larry Holmes used to do it. Uh, Ali could do it. Uh, Fernand Forrest d- did it. Um, you know, but 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 it's a thing of beauty when it happens. But this is what I was going to say. In life, life is all about know thyself, and then you could say know thy opponent, know whatever, right? Know whatever, know the know the road, know your opponent, know thyself. If you're if you don't have the length, right? You know, and and if you're shorter than the other guy. A jab might not be a great, you know, like Mike Tyson threw a jab, but it wasn't really his weapon. His weapon was under your punches, right? He was shorter. He was stockier. It was under your defenses. Under the, His assumption was the other, uh, my opponent is 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, they're taller. They're longer. They're going to have a better jab. They're going to be longer. I'm going to slip under theirs, and I'm going to rip off uppercuts and hooks and go to the body. He took advantage of know thyself. He knew his body. He knew his explosion. He knew that. He was short and compact. He knew he had that leg power to hop and be explosive and get into spots. So, you know, and now Tyson did throw a jab. I'm just saying it wasn't his brain. It wasn't incredible, amazing, right? And, and it didn't, it wouldn't have worked against like a Lennox Lewis or some really long arm people. So my point is the jab, you know, you have to know yourself and know your body type. Like maybe even, you know, with your husk and your size, there might be, there might be different styles, like a dirty boxing style. Dirty boxing, like what Randy Couture used to do, might be, I'm, I'm conjecturing, might be a better style for you than 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 jabs, which are more on the outs, mid-range or even long range, depending how long someone is, right? It's not always a good idea. I might have a good jab against guys my size. What do I do if I was in a real situation against a guy who's 6'2", 220, and is way longer than me? And do I have a good jab against him? Because now that now the distance has changed, right? So my best bet might be to get on the inside and get into a clinch and work from there. So it really is know thyself, know thy opponent, changing it. But when when you're the same size as someone, if you have the length and you have the timing, because a lot of jab is timing. A lot of a jab is timing. It's not just like what Israel Adesanya was saying. Everybody gets locked up in power. Floyd Mayweather is a master of this. It's timing. Jabs are timing. Guys, Like the foot sweep. Like we talked about before on the foot sweep. The other oh, yeah. thing with the jab. One, one other thing. One yeah. other thing with, with, with the jab. What a jab does too, a jab when you're let's say you're a good fighter and you're landing 50 jabs a fight. Boom, boom, boom. One thing it does, it dis it's a disruptor. It disrupts your opponent's thought process and it disrupts their decision making big time. Anytime you're punching a guy hard, it can disrupt his decision making and make him hesitant. But the jab, because the jab is the closest punch to your opponent. 
right? So it's the most likely to land if you learn how to use it. It's the closest to him or her, right? Your 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 power hands further away, it's gonna travel a lot further to hit the mark, especially if the other person's dancing. The jab is the closest one. So when the jab is just boom, 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 and you're pumping that and you're hitting your opponent with it 35, 40, 45, 50 times, especially if it's crisp and it's got a little sizzle on it, guess what? It it disrupts their decision making. It's hard for them to start thinking about what they need to do because they're thinking just about muscle. Hand. What, what muscle whenever, do I need? When, yeah. To, whenever to punch. They, what is that muscle? Whenever they, yeah, whenever they get ready to throw, Noah. So let's say the opponents get ready to throw, and then Anderson Silva's like, boom. You know, the guy, the other, the opponent's thinking about, okay, I'm going to throw right now. And just as he goes to throw, boom, the jab greets him. So the jab is the disruptor. The jab is like, oh, you want, Anderson Silva's saying, oh, you wanted to punch now, Rich Franklin? Boom. He beats mm. you to the punch. Mm. He's closer. It's just, so it disrupts all your rhythm. You are, all right, I'm going to go now. I'm going to throw a three punch. I'm just saying, I'm going to throw a three punch combination. Well, before you do, Anderson Silva's timing, boom. You don't throw the repunch combination now because you've been totally disrupted. As soon as you're getting ready to go, he doesn't let you go. He greets you with boom. And it's a higher percentage because it's the nearest weapon to your face. So it's just a phenomenal, it's a really underutilized weapon. Um, not for everybody. Again, you and many other people, I might, you know, I might use other weapons. Um, yeah, for me, I'm, I got to keep my center of gravity low. So I got to, yeah, no. And, and speaking of which, huh? Hooks would be hooks, hooks and body punches would be pretty good for you. Some, some dirty boxing in close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would be definitely going to be uh, taking up space and, uh, taking away their breathing. Um, speaking of which, you know, it is time for me to go hit the gym. Um, doing some, uh, doing some weights, weight work to kind of get my body back moving again. Um, and, and you answered some questions today for me that I, that I had out there, um, with, you know, with the jab, you know, yeah. Fugilistics, as I said, not my thing. Um, and it's all, I hear, I hear the announcers say things and, you know, I've been wanting to ask that question for probably three or four months about that. And, uh, I have similar, you know, ones like that. When you, and, when you throw a jab, you want to throw it. And this, I would recommend this anybody out there who's doing any sparring, like even if you're just shadow boxing in your backyard or at the park. I do that all the time now. I probably do that four or five days a week. Always play with the rhythm. Play with where, play with different angles of where you throw the punch. Don't always just punch what's right in front of you. You know, play with the rhythm. Play with moving your head off center. Play with you know moving there. Play with the timing of throw a single jab and then double up on the jab. Throw a jab and then throw a hook. Play with the rhythm because. That's how that's how a fighting or situation really is. If you're just always throwing at the same rhythm, your people figure that out. So always yeah, the- it's the first thing I wrote on my notes here was rhythm of the rhythm uh, today. Whenever you introduced that, so it's a nice yeah. closure note. We'll have get, to go get, into get that your deeper. Workout, Noah. Get Thank you, workout, my brother. Nice talking to you. Let's see if we can. Yeah, let's see if we can pick up another uh, podcast um, in a day or two. I have some heavy tasks I got to knock out. Um, in the next uh, 72, 96 hours. So um, after I get done with those, uh, perhaps maybe Thursday, let's do a, maybe we can do a Thursday podcast. No, let's, let's shoot for that. All right. Uh, we'll do okay, it. Thank you. Thank you everyone watching. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Bye.
That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.